Hi, and welcome to Math and Musings. I'm Mike O'Connell, creator of Math and Musings, and your host. Stay tuned for 15 minutes of science, politics, news, and opinion. In other words, Math and Musings. Today's date is Friday, April 8th, 2022. This is Season 2, Episode number 14 of our show. But you probably knew that already because Apple Podcast tells you the number of the episode. I keep meaning to delete that from the opening, but, uh, well, it's just become part of the act now. Speaking of things that are part of the act, now this is sort of a, a follow-up to last week's program. Then again, they're all sort of follow-ups to programs of previous weeks. I used to say the same thing about the TV show, and I say the same thing about the blog, is that it's better if you listen or read or watch every week. Like You get more of the inside jokes, you get more of the, the running gags, the recurring themes of my output. This is going to be one of those episodes. It harkens back to a lot of others that have occurred previously. Last week's episode was labeled Final Four Preview. This week is Final Four Review. And I am in the position, once again, to know the sports. I, I know what happened uh, last Monday night, and my goodness, it, it was a good one. It, this Final Four weekend had all the makings of a total letdown, right? There was so much buildup. Oh, it was not a letdown. It was not a letdown from the word go. Now, admittedly, the, the undercard on Saturday... Villanova, Kansas, eh, wasn't great. I think the better team won. I was glad to see Kansas in the final because it set up one of two amazing matchups. Like, Kansas-Duke would have been great. You know, that would have been a rematch of 1991, Mike Krzyzewski's first national championship. Plus that Grant Hill would have been on the call. It would have been great. And then Carolina-Kansas, of course, that's going to be a great matchup, too. Two of the most storied programs in all of college basketball who have um, met each other recently uh, in the Final Four. And then also one of the most famous finals of all time uh, from 1957. People still talking about that one. More on that in a moment. First, on the Saturday games, that Duke-North Carolina game, of course it was going to be great. Do these teams ever play a bad game? I mean, they're the Yankees-Red Sox of college basketball. There's a reason they always play in prime time. They put up great games. I'd heard that in the last 100 games, those two teams have played. Like, each team had won exactly 50 games. That's just marvelous. It's an even match, and Saturday night was no different. It would have been something for Coach K to be going to the finals in his last season, what he says will be his last season. However, like real life, like the final episode of The Wonder Years, I mention this all the time, that it's like the reason I love the final episode of The Wonder Years, I hope I'm not ruining this for anybody, that um, it's, it's not a storybook ending. You know, Kevin and Winnie don't end up together because that's, that's real life. The, the bulk of your life is not spent with the person you had a crush on when you were 12. And, and I try to impart this knowledge to my students now who actually are 12. Like, look, this is just middle school. You, you have so much more to go. And uh, 
it things don't always work out perfect. It's not always a storybook ending. Coach K losing in that Final Four game has a certain element to it as like, well, this is this is real. This is something real. And and basically, what happened to him is what he did to Jerry Tarkanian and the UNLV running Rebels in 1991, who had an undefeated season going and ready to repeat as national champions, but they lose to Duke on Final Four Saturday. And uh, one of the great upsets in the history of college basketball. Now this year, there, I wouldn't call any of these things upsets. Now re- remember, I mean, Carolina winning, that would have been the upset. Carolina was an eight seed going into this thing. We forget that. Kansas was the one seed. And, and as it turned out, I mean, the, the better team won. I loved seeing the game for so many reasons. There was so much cachet in this. The, the triple overtime 1957 championship between those two schools. By the way, it was the second game in a row that UNC had going into triple overtime. Their semifinal match was also triple overtime. Will Chamberlain, of all people, playing for Kansas that year. And then there's the Dean Smith connection. Now, in 1957, Dean Smith was not at North Carolina. This was between his Kansas days. He went to Kansas, won a national championship five years before with Kansas in 1952. And his Carolina days started shortly after this. He was an assistant first under Frank McGuire. More on him in a minute. And then he led the program starting in 1961. Smith won two championships with the Tar Heels, both of which happened to occur in the city of New Orleans. So coming back to New Orleans, the Tar Heels again in 22, this would have made for a great story. Now, as I said, um, shades of uh, previous championships Including for me, this was shades of 2003. Because what happened in 2003, though? That was the year, the one year that Syracuse, my beloved Syracuse Orange, I think they were Orange men still at the time. I have to look that one up. Uh, That was their only championship. They played Kansas, got out to a huge lead in the first half, and ended up barely hanging on. This year, again, when I, let's face it, I wanted Kansas to lose. Like, I wanted to see Carolina win the other night. And uh, they get out to a huge lead, up 15 at halftime. But as soon as Kansas came out of the locker room ready to play, like they weren't lying down, they weren't ready to lose this, I knew they were going to win. Dick Vitale, of all people, I remember once hearing him say, like, you know, oh, the first four minutes of the second half, that's the most important part of the game. And it was. When they came out alive and, and closed that gap, or you know, at least started chipping away at it right away, I knew they would come back all the way. And I mean, Carolina had every chance at the end. And it really was an evenly matched game. I mean, if you split the game up into four parts, you know, that the first quarter, if you will, and the last quarter were even. Carolina won the second quarter, Kansas won the third quarter. That was pretty much it. I'd heard a great stat that both teams led for the same amount of time in the game. Both teams led for 18 and a half minutes in the game. And then, you know, the the other, let's see, what are they missing? You know, the other three minutes, I guess, was, uh, it was the game was tied. But uh, it's just an, an amazing matchup. It did not let down. 
there was no letdown. This this was an epic final capping off an epic NCAA tournament. Then again, aren't they all? One final word, because I said on Frank McGuire, who was the coach of that Carolina team in 1957, there is a family connection uh, to Frank McGuire. He of Xavier Prep School, class of, I think, 1933, maybe, 32 or 33. My grandfather also went to Xavier Prep School. My grandfather went to high school with Frank McGuire. I think my grandfather was class of 1930. Now, I know this uh, because there's a, there's a story, I've probably told this before, I've written about this also, that if you can believe it, Xavier Prep School is called something else now. It's in New York City. As a graduation gift to its scholars, like instead of giving them a class ring or a letterman jacket or something like that, gave its graduates, you can never get away with this now, a sword like a legit sword to its graduates. I know this because, well, I still have the sword 90 years later. Um, it's, it still cuts. It was the one thing, I've probably mentioned this before, I've written about it, that my dad, when he was at the end of his life, you know, told me, you know, go in the attic, at grandma and grandpa's house, sift through everything up there there is a sword you will find up there he told me there were two things there was a sword and a baseball signed by joe dimaggio i never found the ball i looked for it forever because well i found the sword so uh yeah frank mcguire he of xavier prep school and frank mcguire later coached this is the other great connection coached will chamberlain in the pros it was frank mcguire's one year in the pros it was the 61 62 season that was dean smith's first year at carolina it was frank mcguire's only season in the pros and it was the season for will it was the year he averaged over 50 points the game and also put up 100 in one night now shifting gears has been a great week for sports and it's a great weekend for sports now that the masters which is early this year and opening day of the baseball season occur on the same day. That was This was yesterday. If, if you're listening to this Friday, opening round of the Masters and opening day of the Major League Baseball season. I don't know if that's ever happened before. I, it, it may have because they used to start baseball later than they do now. But because of, oh, you know, players and owners and such, baseball started a little late this year, starting the same weekend as Masters. It was just fantastic. Much of my or many of my great moments in life have been either watching the Masters or watching baseball. And here they are together this weekend. Pretty excited about that. Now, on the subject of baseball, I must clear up one thing from last week. And one of my favorite players of all time. He didn't. He doesn't make many people's greatest of all time list, but he does for me. Mark Burley. I was talking about the Math and Musings curse, when I said that I had talked about Gonzaga and Arizona, and both of those teams lost, like literally minutes after I had posted that broadcast of Math and Musings. And I said that it had happened, the Math and Musings, or, you know, the Michael Connell jinx, had happened to Jacob deGrom and Mark Burley. Now, I wrote about Mark Burley in 2014, noting that 
one, the guy had never missed a start in like 15 years, and two, that he had, um, I think like a nine and one or a ten and one record going that year. I wrote about him on the blog, and then he proceeded to lose like five or six games in a row, which, which was just just incredible that that uh, my blog would have that kind of power. Mark Burley, former White Sox. Marlins, Blue Jays, might have been another team in there, Hurler from you know the, the early 2000s. Had something like, you know, that never missed a start in 15 years. And 15 of his 16 seasons, he had a winning record. There was only one year he was one game below 500. I think it was 12 and 13. And I had written on the blog eight years ago that he was the only person who had ever done that other than Andy Pettit. Now, Andy Pettit went 18 for 18. 18 seasons, never had a losing season. Now, Andy had to win his final game, pitched a complete game in his final game to end up at 500 in 2013. Mark Burley did have one losing season. I had to make that correction on the blog eight years later. Now, he retired at 36, which I used to think was old, but now being old and that doesn't seem old to me anymore. The end of the 2015 season. Now, I'd said that Mark Burley was injured. I, I don't think he was. It, now, he might have been, but he, he never missed a start, apparently. And for whatever reason, was left off the Blue Jays' playoff roster that year, meaning that his final game was the final regular season game of the 2015 baseball season, one of the more interesting final games you will ever hear. Now, Burley had pitched in 200-plus innings, 14 years in a row. He's set to end his 2015 season with 198 innings. He'd made his final start. He comes back on one day's rest. The plan is for him to pitch just two innings, get up to 200, get out of there, and he gets his 15th season in a row pitching 200 innings. Never leaves the first inning. He gets two outs, gives up Eight runs. Oh, it gets better. All of them are unearned. Eight unearned runs. He's pulled from the game. He ends the season with 198.2 innings. And that was the final game of his career. Never pitched again. Mark Burley, one of my heroes and one of the great stories of someone's final game, woven into the tapestry of the game of baseball. Mark Burley, guy never missed a start. Just like we never missed Friday episodes around here. It's Math and Musings. For more information to contact, go to MikeO'ConnellJr.com.